Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Welcome to The Counter. I'm Chris Corman, back after a week of vacation. Man, you guys had Seth on while I was gone. My favorite Canadian, Stephen and Seth, were mixing it up. Lots of lots of swear words. You guys were, it was crazy. The counter, the counter got unleashed while I was gone. It sure did, just like the, do- the dog that was running around in the front yard. Just <laughs> <laughs> yep, so. and by the way, Seth just coming on and cussing like a sailor. Like, yeah, we, have, man. we have standards at USA Today. We know it's not this pro football focused nonsense yeah we can just cuss up a storm we have we have real bosses okay (laughs) oh man yeah we're not gonna do any of that uh no they were great shows they were they were they were really good uh i i missed uh missed talking to you guys and getting your insights but it was nice to be on the other side of it just like be able to listen to you uh from that side the show's actually decent I don't know yeah, if you guys do that. Not, it's not a bad podcast. I'm At least when I'm not it. on. I mean, I listened to it a couple of times before I got here. It's not a bad show. <laughs> Thanks, so we're, we're getting there. We're, Have uh, you guys left reviews? Uh, no. I don't think I've ever left a review on any podcast before in my life. Neither have I. I may have left like a joke re- review on Seth's podcast, but that's yeah. I was, was going to say, I I'm sure that you have trash talked someone's podcast in a review. That you, that's I I'm hesitant to think about how much time you spend thinking and executing owning other people on like twitter or uh, i don't even know what other platforms you might be doing it on. honestly you should see the group chat we have no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I don't know yeah, probably shouldn't <laughs> you, know, yeah, you, should. yeah. <laughs> you, you already revealed to me earlier when we were planning the show that you you talk trash about me uh to other people so that was a joke we already discussed it uh so all right we're gonna talk uh not not a ton of nfl news going on we'll we'll hit the J.J. Watt news signing with the Cardinals, surprising everybody a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about a rule that has apparently been proposed wherein uh, NFL franchises will not be allowed to interview coaches until after the Super Bowl, which uh, apparently the Buffalo Bills have presented this potential rule change. Uh, they dealt with, obviously, their offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, being one of the hotter names on the market. As they were trying to make a playoff run, he was simultaneously doing interviews. And and it's funny that it came after this year because uh, everything was probably less uh, chaotic this year because of the pandemic, right? Like a lot of these interviews took place over Zoom or you know, we got so much, we got much more used to doing things remotely. So uh, it probably was less of an impact this year, but now we're going to talk about this. So 
we'll share some thoughts. And then Charlton Steven ranked the did a power rankings today. It's a sort of a unique way to approach it. It's uh, not necessarily where the teams finished off last season, not necessarily where we think they'll be come the start of next season, but sort of where they are right now, poised to try to get better, uh, what ability they have to get better, both in free agency and the draft. So we're looking at how much cap space they have, uh, how, how much draft capital capital they have to use. And I, I mean, I think you guys took into uh, into consideration from from reading this it's sort of how much you trust them to be able to use those things properly mm-hmm. uh and and make good on the promise that they have so we'll go through all those teams uh a little bit later let's start with jj watt uh just you know this is a little bit it, it felt like a whirlwind because it was it was the only NFL story for a little bit right he gets gets released figures out a way to get the texans to uh, give him his unconditional release for reasons that remain unclear. Uh, the, the wink, wink. Yeah, the Texans claim, claim they wanted to do the classy thing. Uh, and so he was able to look around during this period when, you know, we're, we've been talking about free agents, but most of them will not become free agents until the new league year. They'll, they'll have that period of a couple of days where they can, uh, negotiate deals that starts March 15th, I think. Uh, and then those deals can be signed the 17th. But so he was out there on the open market, sort of largely by himself, as far as as huge names. And there was a lot of speculation uh, of teams that might want him, might want pass rush. Cleveland seemed to be one of the, the leading uh, teams mentioned the Packers for obvious reasons. He's from Wisconsin, went played at Wisconsin. Uh, a couple other teams that we know need pass rush and have been near the top of the league. And, and Watt had stated that he wanted to win a Super Bowl and be on a competing team. And then he ends up tweeting out a picture of him with a squat bar on his shoulders, uh, wearing a Cardinals shirt. Uh, immediate reactions. What did what did you guys think when you saw this? The Cardinals. <laughs> Like why? <laughs> yeah, why? But yeah, like I, it's because of even, Kyler Murray. It's where he told him that. Which this is further a further indictment of an NFL player's ability to evaluate not only players but talent. But like if you're if you're JJ Watt, you're looking at the Cardinals as a team that's going to take the next step. I I don't see it. I it's one of those moves that's like cool in the off season. We're going to talk about it, but by September, nobody's going to be thinking about this move. Mm, wow. Wow, that's a very bold take. Uh, bold I take. think people would be will be thinking about it in the sense like, man, like that was a lot of money to give David. <laughs> <a lot. laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I'm a little confused on on both sides because, well, actually, you know what? I'm not confused for JJ because he never said that he wanted to win a Super Bowl more than he wanted to get paid. Right, uh, right. So, I mean, if you if you're at JJ Watt at this point in your career and you're coming off a season where you know, you weren't all that productive as a pass rusher. If someone's going to throw you that kind of money, $23 million guaranteed over two years, uh, $31 million total, like, I, I get it. Like, go get your money because this is, like, the end of his window to make that. But, you know, the Cardinals, I, I just – maybe they'll come out and shock the world next year, but I just have a hard time believing that uh, this team is just going to get all their affairs in order in time to – actually capitalize on this contract and get into uh well i, I think like again to the playoffs is fine but like actually have the, the pieces and organization to make 
uh, a big run seems like a little bit of a stretch to me. And from if you're the right. Cardinals, like uh, I know you need to upgrade from the defensive line, but like this kind of feels like an avenue that you didn't really need to go down. Uh, it, it, like I, I was, I was assuming that they were just kind of going to populate populate the defensive line with a little cheaper op, uh, mm-hmm. options than they did. But you know, I guess like on the surface, uh, JJ Watt and Chandler Jones sounds like a crazy duo in like 2017. <laughs> right. Uh, Chandler Jones coming off injury too. This just seems a little bit like a weird pairing. Like I, I thought we were going to see him somewhere in you know like Cleveland or uh, Green Bay where the talent on the defensive line is a little bit younger than Chandler Jones, but we're here now and uh, he got his bag. Right. And, and before Jones got hurt, I think he he played four games or five games and he only had one sack. So he's even beyond the injury. There's still questions about whether he's, even if he like fully recovers, I don't know if he's going to be the same player he once was. And obviously with Watt, you have the same question because I think he had like what, five sacks. Yeah. He had five sacks last year. And it's like on on a sports info solutions. He's, one of the worst uh, defensive linemen in the league when it came to pressure rate. So, uh, it, it like he's clearly not the pass rusher they used to be. Like every once in a while, he can make a, a splash play where it looks like he's the JJ Watt of old. But you know, it, it's like with every athlete, as you get older and those injuries start to rack up, those moments come few and far between. And I think he's kind of at that point in his career now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I. I... My first reaction was just that it was money based. You know, he, he got, mm-hmm. like you said, the 23 million guaranteed is probably more than what anyone else was going to offer. Uh, and I, I think he sort of set the expectation like, oh, maybe he's going to take a cheaper deal because he's saying that he has other, these other goals. Uh, and so it sort of set the expectation like, well, he's not in it for the money. But like, I'm certainly not going to begrudge him for chasing the money like that's uh he he made eight hundred eighty five hundred thousand dollars the first year he won the defensive player of the year you know like he was on a rookie mm-hmm. deal uh you know did not start racking up big money until his fourth fifth sixth year in the league uh, and like charles said this is his, this is definitely going to be his last chance to make uh, a big splash. So uh, I think it makes sense. Charles, you looked pretty closely at how he'll fit with uh, what the Cardinals are doing on defense and had some, had some interesting observations and, and you've mentioned this before. I don't know if we got to it into it on the show or where, where you talked about it, but uh, really Watt is still an above average player uh at stopping the run and, and doing some other things. But he's not a great pass rusher. He's not like the guy that we all remember from 2012 to 2015 who would just line up and wreak havoc. But used correctly, he can still be a pretty useful player. Yeah, like JJ's interesting because he's one of those guys like like you, when you see great players age sometimes, it's it's like they – still try to do the things that they could do at their peak, but like, it just doesn't quite work all the time. Right. Right. Uh, so like with JJ, like when he was out here getting like 20 sacks a season, then, you know, he had one season where he had almost 40 tackle for losses on top of 20 sacks. Like he was, he was just like, it, it was a style of freelancing that you can, you can get away with uh, where, you know, he'll, he'll be playing front side on like an outside of the zone block and then he'll cut inside the tackle and make a tackle for loss. And like, you know, based on like the structure of usually how you play that, that's really not how you're supposed to do it. Uh, 
But when you're that good, it, sometimes the rules just don't straight up apply to you. Uh, and he's at this point in his career where, you know, he's still trying the same things. And sometimes he's still, uh, you know, he's still able to get there, but it's just not as frequent as he's, as he once was. But, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, that's necessarily such a bad thing. Like when you saw the, uh, whatever, that faceless, nameless coach who just said that J.J. Watt hurt us more than he helped us or whatever. Uh, right. Who just anonymously just kind of crapped all over him. I don't think it was uh, quite that bad just from going back through the film. But, you know, he, he's still going to be a gambler. And I guess, you know, you just kind of have to decide if you're the Cardinals, like how much do you value steady run defense versus a guy that can get up the field and get penetration and make plays in the backfield? Because I think versus the run, J.J. Watt can still – uh, very much be that guy, especially against some of the lesser right tackles and, and tight ends. Like those are guys that he's still going to be able to bully uh, fairly easily. Uh, it, it's just like if you want someone to come in and be an anchor against the run, that's not who he is because I just don't think that's the type of player uh, that he wants to be. But you know, schematically, I don't really see any issues. I think he's going to slide right back right into uh, the Cardinals defense because. You know, their fronts are pretty similar to what Houston ran over the past two years uh, with Romeo Cannell and Anthony Weaver calling play. So I don't think that that will be an issue at all for him. I- I'm just most, most interested to see how do they kind of slide him in on these pass rush fronts and packages once they get Chandler Jones back uh, from his injury because, you know, that's where he's going to have to make his money. You don't pay – run defenders, you know, almost $16 million a year in today's NFL with $23 million. Games. You got to, you got to get after the quarterback. So right. uh, that that's, that's the big area of caution with JJ Watt. Steven, anything to add, anything you, you uh, from watching film, think about how he'll fit in a slightly different defense. Uh, I'm offended that you think that I watched film of the Texans defense last year. <laughs> but uh, no, the Cardinals. I, I know that you watched the Cardinals. You, oh yeah, I, you're, mo- you're I mostly focusing on Cliff, but you might accidentally go through a defensive. Uh, oh yeah, no, I was I was watching Isaiah Simmons. Oh but, yeah, yeah, that's true actually. Uh, I mean, Vance Joseph is a guy that likes the blitz, and having a guy like JJ Watt who you can move around the front and maybe dictate some protections and create some one-on-ones for Chandler Jones. I think he can be effective there, even if he isn't getting the pressure himself. I, I guess it depends on how much offenses still respect JJ Watt. Right. I would assume it's a lot. Usually this like lags behind two years where teams are still giving big name players respect. Maybe they don't necessarily deserve anymore, but right. I think that's the best way they can, you know, make the most out of this deal. It's a weird deal. It's not like, unique to Steve Kime. Like I think he overpaid Terrell Suggs a couple years ago and ended up cutting right. him midseason. Right. It feels a lot like that that move to me. And it's really confusing to me. Like what do the Cardinals see themselves as? Like does Kime think they're one JJ Watt away from <laughs> contending in the NFC West? I don't even think that's the case. This is it's I don't see this moving the needle at all. Right. I think the Cardinals are nine and seven or I guess nine and eight team next year. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> man, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to adjust to uh, throwing out uh, potential records and, and setting it to 17 games. That's, that's I do hard. wonder how the new coaching staff will use JJ Watt in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, hey, speaking of new coaching staffs, uh, this, this submitted rule apparently from the bills that uh, it would, 
bar interviewing front office and coaching uh, candidates until after the conference title games and hirings until after the Super Bowl. So basically, there would become a two-week window between the conference title games and the Super Bowl where a bunch of guys are interviewing and then the hires would be announced after the fact. Um, I, you know, to me, this is like all window dressing. I mean, we know like right now there's the Rooney rule and you're not supposed to make a hire until you've interviewed uh, a coach of color. And uh, Urban Meyer was like rumor, you know, that rumor came out. I, I mean, it was like the season was still going on. Right. I mean, it was it was very clear pretty early on that the Jaguars had picked who they wanted and were going to move forward. They went through this sort of rigmarole, but it's, you know, they're, they, it's just going to be all the talk between the agents or it's, I, I just don't know how they're really going to enforce this if they did make it a rule. And I also don't think that it will get voted on because the teams that get eliminated and need to hire new coaches in week, you know, if they're eliminated by week 13, like the only way they can create hype, the only way they can get their fans re-engaged uh, and keep selling merchandise and get get them involved is to hire a coach, you know, and mm-hmm. and get that going again. You know, like you, with Arthur Smith, like uh, that's they're going to want to do that right after the season. That's that's like a part of their business plan is to be able to do that and sell it to their fans. Uh, so I doubt that they are, that a massive group of owners is going to vote to delay all this. But what do you guys think about this rule? I, th- I think it might also like create questions of competitive imbalance. Uh, just because, like like you said, a team season ends on weeks in week seventeen. What do they do for the next right. month? They're just right. sitting They're there, stuck. not not right. knowing what to do. It, well, I mean, obviously the, the same is true for uh, playoff teams who can't get that head start on the next season, but they have other things to worry about, like their right. game planning for, they're not doing that work anyway, probably. So I, I mean, that could be an issue. And one thing I'll say is I don't think this, I've seen it like proposed that this might help the minority hiring <laughs> situation. And I don't what? see that. Like, yeah. like how it's not like, NFL that like takes NFL owners off the the hook. Yeah, of course. That like makes it seem like, oh yeah, we would hire more black coordinators if we had the time. Like that's not the case. They're still going to be racist in February. <laughs> in Black History Month. In black History Month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I, I don't. I just don't see what the correlation here is with no. uh, the black coaches. That that just seems like a very very recency biased thing because we just had Byron Leftwich and Todd mm-hmm. Bowles. Uh, in the Super Bowl and not based on much of anything else because, you know, like what if there's a team in the what, – what what if the – I don't know, a team that didn't have two black coordinators was in the Super Bowl would even have that angle of discussion. It just seems uh, right. kind of silly to me. And at the end of the day, like, is this rule supposed to magically make the owners care about diversity uh, across the league? Like, where's the stipulation here that it says that it's going to magically make – you know, all these billionaire Trump supporters decide that they want a black guy running their corporation. I find that hard to believe. So yeah. uh, I, I, I just think that, you know, it's a I guess I get the premise a little bit, but I just don't really see why this change feels all that necessary. And I guess the bills are pushing it through because maybe they felt like Dabble got distracted, but Buddy, you're going to lose to the Chiefs anyway. So. <laughs> so what are we doing here? Yeah, and like I think just – I mean, Eric Bieniemy 
teams didn't have to see Eric Bieniemy go through the playoffs a second time to realize that he was a qualified candidate. It's not going to change anything at all. Yeah, like, I, it's just whatever. Right. right. And if you and if, like, if teams really wanted EB that bad, or if they wanted Byron Leftwich that bad, or Todd Bowles that bad, they would just wait. But uh, you know, I guess like that. I think that on its own could be like a whole another podcast by itself. I will say this: I do think this, like. I think a lot of people hated the are not hated, but they weren't like sure about the rule where they incentivized hiring minority candidates by giving up uh, draft picks. But I feel like it's worked like there is more uh, black coaches hired this year. And like the concern was, oh, people are going to say like you were only hired from the picks. I don't I haven't really seen that discussion anywhere. Like, has anyone even cared about the picks that those teams have received? I haven't seen it. So I think like artificially it has done what. You're, we're just all hoping owners will like fix themselves. It's not going to happen. You have to incentivize them, and at least the NFL found some way to do that. Yeah, and I mean, case in point, the Falcons just gifted the Saints two third round picks or whatever. No one cares. Uh, not at all. So, like, if you can have like one of the hottest, most vicious rivalries in the league, play along with those rules. I think that everyone else can be okay with it too. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, all right, let's let's look forward to what's coming the next couple of weeks and how these teams, thirty-two teams, jockeying, all trying to get better, uh, and where they stand now. Uh, as I said, you guys ranked these teams from thirty-two to one. Uh, we're not going to focus on every single team in depth. We'll sort of run through. A few of the ones that are more interesting, starting with number 32, the Philadelphia Eagles moving on to 31. Uh, Can I uh, do a, a quick disclaimer? <laughs> a quick disclaimer. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you tweet at us about these uh, power <laughs> rankings, you're not going to get a response. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I know that you may not agree and it's upsetting to you, but I just have better things to do than argue about power rankings. Also, the order, like we do not care about the order. <laughs> the, order. The, the goal was just to like offer a little preview of each team's offseason where they stand right now. Oh, like That's the takeaway I, you should be. I'm holding you to the order of this. this is, <laughs> I'm fascinated by the order here. So, um, by the way, I've I've I already like proved Chuck wrong because I have already responded to someone complaining about the order. Like, unlike Chuck, I can't resist I, the, the Twitter arguments. I, I you probably know this if you follow me and you've seen me yeah. arguing with like. I was going to say, Charles, Charles will not uh, respond to you, but he will quote tweet you and make fun of you. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. that, that will happen. Uh, you, you will get a Bugs Bunny uh, picture. So just be ready for that. Um, yeah, 32, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, there's not much to discuss here. They have no, no cap room. Uh, they do have a high draft pick, but so many holes that it's not even, you know. It's uh, it's Bro, a, this, a river flowing through where a dam used to be, and there's no. Are the Flyers good? No amount. The Flyers are okay. What about the Phillies? They have Bryce Harper. Yeah, the Phillies are in a really tough. They got they got a tough situation. I guess the Sixers uh, are pretty good. So like, yeah, just Sixers. focus on those teams for now, and come back to the Eagles in in like two years. Yeah, we'll be searching yeah. for a coach uh, and and hopefully a GM. Hopefully a GM. So and in the meantime, just keep Jalen Hurts in your thoughts and prayers. I mean, <laughs> this 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 guy didn't deserve anything that he's about to get this season. He seemed like a great stand up young man, uh, and 
he's just he's not about to get a real shot with whatever roster they're putting around him. People are like, you know, I, I was talking to somebody. He was like, oh, you know, if you if you put uh, Jalen or if you put what's the uh, the Florida tenant Kyle Pitts, if you put Kyle Pitts there, and then you're <laughs> find a guy in free agency like this could offense could be. I'm like, yo, stop, stop, stop. I, yeah, I'd really like to see. I'd really like to see this Eagles offense with a receiving threat at tight end. Never seen that before. Yeah. Like, <laughs> have you seen this team? Of, like, Zach Ertz was like the best player on the offense. That's not the issue. And Dallas Goddard uh, was the second best. So, right. <laughs> like, like this is, I, I'm going to make a comp and it's not like a playing style comp, but it's like a situation that they've been put in. Like, I feel like Hertz has been put in the Geno Smith situation where he was drafted in the second round, brought in to replace a struggling right. former high first round pick who the, you know, the fan base really like or got behind early. And now he's on, he, now he's got a quarterback, this terrible roster, like he, like Geno did with the Jets. And there's no chance that this is going to work out. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's bad. Uh, speaking of no chance of working out, Houston Texans. Uh, the, so we've also included here basically offseason priority for each team. Uh, and the priority here is pretty clear. And the whole – I mean, I, I don't even know what to say about this because we, we have no idea what this franchise is doing. Like they've turned everything over to Jack Estery, who has no idea what he's doing. It's just been a total mess. Uh, they very clearly need to find a great trade for Deshaun Watson. That's the priority. They're apparently not even listening to trade offers for Deshaun Watson. So ridiculous. I, uh, it's hard to even talk about them right now because it's right. And I, I was, I was about to say, if they're going to put so little effort in to try to play a competitive team, maybe we should just not take that much effort and talk about them. I, I, I just don't understand. Like, I, I firmly believe this. Like, if I took. Anyone that I know, I'm talking about you guys, my grandma, like my mom, my dad. If I plop them into Cal McNair's seat after Bill O'Brien gets fired, I can guarantee you that 99% of people can navigate this situation in a way where Watson still wants to be a part of this. And the fact that they couldn't even do that, like you had the hardest thing in the sport to find an elite, like. Right. Truly, a truly elite young quarterback who, you know, if you want to tell me that you thought Deshaun Watson was the best quarterback in the league last year, I'm not even going to argue on that one. Right. And you lost him. How How is that? That's so bad. And now to, to just double down and say we're not going to trade him. And, you know, it seems like Watson has a conviction to kind of sit out multiple games and, and lose some paychecks. Uh, and I, I don't even think that that's a bad situation for him because – how many times have we seen talented players, you know, just waste their whole careers on teams that really can't get it together? Right. And the fact that he's able to see where this is headed and he's only like, what, 25 years old? I think that that shows a lot of wisdom and a lot of foresight to know that it's not going to get better quickly. I only have so long before uh, I only have so long to be an elite quarterback. I don't want to waste one more second here with this right. organization, especially with a player like Deshaun and how he plays. Like, I don't think he should be worried about his longevity. Like he could get, he could afford to give up a year because right. of his, the way he plays, like he's going to play a long time. Right. And if anything, playing behind that offensive line for another <laughs> it's, it's season, dangerous. It's, it's, dangerous. it's a threat <laughs> right. to his career. So, I mean, if you're the Texans, just trade them. Like, what are you trying to accomplish? It's not going to get fixed. Right. 
And I feel like trading him and trading up for another quarterback is the only way that you're going to get fans reinvested again. Like if you right. give them a Justin Fields and he, I mean, he's going to play for you and he's probably going to look uh, promising in his rookie year. That's how you get fans back. But, right. you know, holding your quarterback hostage is not, it's not the way to do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're, in a, if you're in a situation where you're the Texans, this is a situation I'm hoping for so badly where they have to, they, they have to get third pick back. Uh, for Deshaun Watson that they traded to the Dolphins, the <laughs> Larry Tunsil crap. That's what I'm hoping for. But like, if you're Houston and you have, you know, we're walking into the season with Tua and Justin Fields on the roster, that's a that's an easy sell. Right. But yeah. this is not. Yeah. Sports fans are savvy. You know, they know that, like, if you're going to give up a guy and get a ton of draft capital, like the team, it'll take two, three seasons for that to come through, but eventually it will. Like, that's that's a better sell than holding a guy hostage. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm. All right, number 30. This is where it gets pretty interesting for me, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, And Charles, I I was under the impression that you were pretty pretty excited about the idea that uh, Arthur Smith could come in and maybe get something out of Matt Ryan and this offense enough to – uh, to not have to do a total rebuild, but this, but the Falcons are grouped in this, in this, this era, this tier where it's clearly teams that should rebuild. So, uh, what's behind the thinking of the Falcons here? Uh, I, I guess that like the defense is. I just don't really see how the defense is going to be all that good, and right. and it's, it's it has nothing to do with the MPs. It's just the personnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be probably a pretty young defense again. I mean, they just cut uh, Ricardo Allen, Allen Bailey, and uh, Dante Fowler could be on his way out. And, you know, they just keep you – know, one, one of the big issues of the Dimitrov era, which is failing to find a pass rush. And now you have to find a pass rush outside of Grady Jarrett uh, while also finding another cornerback to play across from A.J. Terrell while also finding two starting safeties, especially if uh, they decide not to franchise tag Keanu Neal. So – it's a it's a big ask for them. I mean, you, they they don't really have anyone who can get after the quarterback except for Grady. So, uh, and it, it's just kind of funny that in this age of like pass coverage and uh, pass rush, like those are the base that we're having. The Falcons are just super set at linebacker with Deion Jones and Foyer, but nothing else. Like just thanks guys for just being completely useless. And uh, <laughs> I I just kind of wonder like. You know, if the Falcons do take a quarterback at four, uh, how much how much better does this realistically get from mm-hmm. uh, last year? Like, I expect the offense to be better, and that will definitely help them win some games. But uh, I'm still like not quite sold that this is going to be a team that's like fishing for a playoff spot, unless they just knock free agency out the park. But that's going to be you know, a difficult situation for them. Like Terry Fondo said, you know, they got to figure out how to get under the cap and add guys at the same time because this team clearly needs some talent. Yeah, I think this is mostly a cap situation thing. They're almost sixteen million over the cap right now, and their draft capital is fine. Like it's not nothing to get excited about. So, 
And I, I kind of got at this in the Vikings section. Like these rankings are more about how they're going to get better over the draft and free agency. I think if the Falcons do improve, it's going to be a coaching thing, which wasn't really factored into these rankings, which is why they're probably lower than maybe you would think they would be. Like their improvement is going to come. We're not going to see it, and fans aren't going to really be able to get excited about it until we actually see them play games. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 29, Chicago Bears. Uh, I hear they're still looking for a quarterback. Yeah, th- I mean, that's it. <laughs> they don't have cap space. They don't have a quarterback. So, And Allen Robinson is probably going to leave. I mean. <laughs> Looking pretty dire. 28, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they're stuck with a quarterback, it looks like. <laughs> he won't leave. <laughs> yeah, he, he, get the hell out. <laughs> can't get him to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Ben Roethlisberger appears intent on, on sticking around. Yeah. Uh, Tricky situation. I mean, they probably they. It's, I, I guess they can't really get away from the cap hit, can they? I mean, they're just sort of stuck in a lot of ways. It, it, I mean, I guess it depends on Ben and his willingness to take a cap hit. But if you're Ben, why you're a chump if you do that? If I'm Ben, I'm in like I'm really fifty fifty on playing. I'm waiting till that that roster bonus kicks in, which I think is March seventeenth, and then after that, I might even just retire and just keep my roster bonus and oh, get right on the sunset. That's how I do it. <laughs> but the, yeah. I mean, they they got to figure out a way to to cut down on his cap hit because they're seven million over right now, right? right. And, and you you just can't justify paying him forty two million dollars <laughs> or whatever it is based on what he did last year. It's just all got to start with him taking less money and if he doesn't want to like i don't see how this team finishes higher than like third in the afc north next year uh number 27 new orleans saints we're gonna have the same discussion <laughs> true breeze <laughs> is uh you know that it sir seemed like he was gonna retire like uh, there was all sorts of talk about it on the broadcast of his final game against the playoff game against the bucks uh he went through the whole you know, kissing his family after the game. Just it looked like he was gone. And then this past weekend, he was filmed doing a workout in San Diego. And his trainer said something like, uh, you know, something must be brewing. So now we're thinking that Breeze is going to try to come back. Um, so Look, you don't get two farewell t- tours, Drew Breeze. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't get that treatment. You got. You have to leave now. You have to retire. <laughs> also the saints have a 62 million dollar cap deficit which is just hilarious to me like how do you get into that situation their, ro- idea. their roster is very good i will say that which is why they're probably higher on the list than some other teams that don't have that type of cap situation but so I- i'm expecting the roster to be decent enough when the season opens it's just not going to be as good as it was last year right i mean as you point out here like it's not out of the question that Mickey Loomis will find a way to, to get rid of this cap hit, but like the, the cap deficit. But, That's what he does. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's not going to be an easy task. It's going to be interesting. Like we, we do talk – like I know that people say, uh, you know, the cap is fake and all this crap, but like it, at a point that's just not true. Right, um, right. The, that point the, is $62 million. <laughs> Right. Like, the, like points where the Eagles are, where the Saints are, like even where the Falcons are, like teaming are on the edge of that. Like cap space is very much real, and dead cap is something that you want to avoid. And guess what creates dead cap? Cutting players to get underneath the cap. So like that's right. like, – it's just like a constant battle of trying to get money that you kind of have access to but don't really have access to. And, and that's where – 
cast base gets real. And the Saints being $62 million over, uh, just, you know, we're, what, two weeks away from free agency starting? Like, there, there's going to be a, just an onslaught of things happening for them in the next couple what, of weeks. What if the Saints are just like, nah, we're not getting under the cap? Like, what are you, we're not doing it. <laughs> we're playing, we're feeling a roster. I don't you care. Know, I, I think if you actually do that, if you just don't do that, you just get like unbelievable fines until you get underneath, like to a point where it doesn't even make sense for <laughs> the owner uh, running the team. Man, that might happen though. Uh, 26, you uh, mentioned this. Pass, one. pass. I don't want to talk about the Vikings. You don't want to talk about the Vikings. You already it's talked about them. You brought them up. Oh yeah, that's true. It's Kirk Cousins. Like Kirk Cousins is involved. Like, who cares what this team and does they, until he's gone and they start it, start over again? They have no draft picks, uh, so it's not much. <laughs> no, they have draft picks. It's just they're all on day three. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like, do you guys remember them just like trading down a bunch last draft and they like just collected a bunch of day three picks and that's what they have to show for it now and they have no cap space and they have Kirk Cousins and it's all very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Twenty five. New York Giants. Charles, thoughts? This, uh, get a franchise. quarterback, man. <laughs> I mean, they're just not even going to try, though, right? They're still. Gonna... I, I, I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, it seems like they're going to bring back Daniel Jones for another year. I mean, that's not something that I would really be trying to do, but this is their prerogative, right? Uh, this is what they want to do. Uh, I mean, I just don't see how you can like bring this team back together and not provide competition for him, like legitimate competition that could take his spot. It just seems kind of uh, a little silly and irresponsible to me, but you know, uh, I, I, I think that he's going to get another shot at the starting gig and we'll see what happens. Like, how do they have only 1 million in cap space? That's what I don't get. Like, look at their roster and how do the, <laughs> how do how is that possible? Who are they paying? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Uh, it, it's just, it, 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 it's weird. It's kind of like where the Bucks were the year that they went like two and 14 or whatever, or the year that they drafted Devin White in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they were entering the offseason with like less than a million dollars in cash space. I'm like, how is this possible? Like, how is your team in this, in this situation? But, you know, the Giants are here too. Uh, you know, I, I guess this is kind of David Gelman's last stand. So if he wants to roll the dice on Daniel Jones, then fine. That's not what I'll be doing. Uh, at 24, the Detroit lions are rolling the dice on Jared Goff. Uh, I mean, this is clearly, that's an upside. Yeah. It's clearly a team <laughs> that needs to just uh, bite some kneecaps and take a year to, uh, just, there, just I, I, I think like, I think the Rams draft picks don't kick in until next year because the Rams didn't have any first round picks to give them this year. So yeah, it's really just like, all right, let's just cruise through this season and, and start over next year. This, it doesn't matter. Nope. Nope. Uh, 23, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they, they made the trade for Matthew Stafford. Uh, and, uh, that certainly should help. you know, we're all of the opinion that that should make this offense better. Should allow Sean McVay to do more. Uh, but they are 28 million over the cap and the defense, which was sort of, you know, we felt like it was sort of held together by what Brandon Staley was able to do. He's gone. Uh, so that remains a question mark. What do you guys think about the Rams in that tough division? I mean, they still have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. So I don't think the defense will take 
a huge step back just because they lost Daly. I think it will take a step back because they're losing some key guys to free agency, probably like John Johnson. I think Leonard Floyd's a free agent now. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a depth issue and they don't have cap space. So I don't see how they maintain any sense of depth unless they just kill the draft and they don't have a draft pick, a first round pick. So never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't have one until what, 20, 2026, 2025? Yeah, so something a long like time. that. It's uh, going to be a long time for them. Yeah. Uh, 22, Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't really have too many takes about the Raiders. You've, you've, to be our offseason priority here is Steven has made the shrug emoji. I don't, I assume that's Steven. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I, do yeah. I, I don't like what they have no cap space anymore. <laughs> they wasted all the cap space. They used all the Khalil back draft capital. Right. They waste them all on culture builders. And guess what? The culture is, I mean, maybe, maybe the culture is better, but the defense isn't. And I don't know. I don't know where you go from here. They're a seven and nine team from here yeah. until eternity. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it feels like we're just kind of saying the same things that we do about them every offseason. It's right. like uh, they need defense. And if their defense is better than maybe their offense can do just enough like to get them into the playoffs. But the defense has been so bad for years. And like you said, now, now they're fighting for cap space and it's just, uh, it's, it's just not a great spot for them as usual. Right. If you're a, a professional football team and you need to draft 22 or 23 year olds to change your culture, your culture is not <laughs> actually fixable. Like that's not, that's not how any of this works. Uh, yeah, bringing in a 22 year old, like I'm thinking about when I was 22 and like <laughs> bringing me in to change your culture is, it wasn't ever going to be a good thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You were, you were pretty smart when you were 22. Did I know you had, were you 22 when I met you? Yeah. You I think good. that's when we met. I don't Ch- know. You changed our culture in a nice way, but nice. We were just like, you know, three bloggers. So it wasn't Yeah, that website good. doesn't exist anymore, so we didn't do a good of a job. Uh, yeah. All right. Good good point. Uh 21 Denver Broncos. Uh, forever looking for a quarterback. Forever looking for. But but probably the same situation as the Giants, right? I mean, they're they're not going to move on from Drew Locke. Uh, I could take this one because this is the this is the uh, the Twitter guy that I responded to. He was asking about the Broncos and why they were as high as they were. And the, the one thing I'll say is they still have a really good young offense. If right. they just bring it in a quarterback, which I think they have the capacity to do with, they have a, a lot of cap space and they have all of their draft picks. So I mean, I don't see why they couldn't find an upgrade at quarterback, even if it is like one of these cheaper guys like Jameis or or even Cam Newton. And then you still have Vic Fangio, and he's they've had a decent defense under him, and he's a really good defensive coach. So, I mean, if you bring in a new quarterback, Broncos fans are going to be very excited about next year. But they're not yeah. going to, right? Like, are they? I don't Do we have any indication? I mean, there's been grumblings that they're yeah. looking to upgrade from Drew Locke, which I mean, I wouldn't see why you wouldn't. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, 20. This is a team with a quarterback, Cincinnati Bengals. Or at least they Allegedly. Think, they think they have a quarterback. Uh, yeah, Allegedly I, I, I tried to beat you. I tried to beat you to that, Stephen, and you got in there first. Um, it, we have as their off, off season priority: build Joe Burrow an offensive line. Uh, even if they build him an offensive line, it's still going to be a little bit well, of a struggle. Well, inject steroids into his his right shoulder wasn't uh, yeah. wasn't like a viable option for me, so. 
Why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are steroids in football. I don't know. Get his arm stronger. Yeah. But why is it not a viable option? Like, uh, it's against the rules of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure, buddy. Yeah. No one's doing steroids in the NFL. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. What if Burrow is doing steroids and this is this is his arm on steroids? You never uh, thought of that, did you? I did not think of that. <laughs> I, I mean, with the Bengals, like just build the offensive line and hope that he's all right. I feel like that's all you really got, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's clearly can be a functional QB in a really well designed offense with talent. I, uh, I, we're, we're underselling him. He could be good. He could right. be. Uh, I'm not going to say Matt Ryan good because I feel like Matt Ryan is better than people give him credit for. But like Derek Carr, good, not the same playing style, but like the same level of production and of effectiveness. Like I don't see why that can't happen. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with the same I'm in the same wavelength. Like, why not Joe Burrow? Like he could he could be solid enough to maybe make some noise in the playoff a couple of years, but. Yeah, it, nothing's going to change until they get the offensive line fixed, which, again, it's like one of these things where it feels like we've been saying this about the Bengals forever. <laughs> it just still has not happened. There's there's so many teams like that on this list. It must be frustrating to be a fan of these teams. At least, uh, at least if you're an Eagles fan, then you get to – they've really bottomed out. They've really done it. Uh, speaking of not bottoming out correctly, the Carolina Panthers are, are next on our list. Steven – What's going on with this franchise here? Just get me a quarterback, please. Get like I'm a Panthers fan who is has no interest in watching Panthers games anymore. Like if they bring <laughs> in a quarterback, I'll be back in. Like whether it's Deshaun Watson, Trey Lance, just don't make it Mac Jones. But anyone else, and I'm in there. So that's their priority. Just start over this rebuild. I want because they didn't do the rebuild part last year, which is what everyone expected. So my hope is after this offseason, I know what direction they're headed in. I didn't know that last year, so that's all I'm hoping for. I don't ask for much. Uh, I missed the whole uh, McCorkle-Jones thing. How did you find out that his, the, that was his – that's where Mac came from, that, that the guy's name was McCorkle? I have no idea. It was on his Wikipedia page. Oh, you yeah, just, that's right. Did you just, like, pull it out last week? You just started calling him that? No, I think someone mentioned. I think I think it was actually PFF Seth mentioned that his name was McCorkle, and I was I thought he was joking. Like I don't know why that would be. I thought it was just like weird Canadian humor, but I actually like looked it up, and then it was true. So I was, I I don't know. I I found that amazing. Uh, it's just everything Seth says, you don't you don't take seriously. You have to look it up. Or you have to confirm it. The Herbert guy. Uh, I just have a name now, Herbert. Guy. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving. Oh, man. Watching the football team don't need to talk about them. Find a quarterback. Yeah. Find a quarterback. Uh, I'm, I'm, I lost our spot where we are. Seattle. Seattle. Well, what yeah. Russell Wilson said, find an offensive line. Like, I feel like, just, like Chuck has mentioned this already. Like, we're saying these things about these teams that we've been saying forever. Like, when's the last time that we di- weren't worried about Seattle's offensive line? I don't know. I mean, it, it's yeah. been – I mean, basically since Russ has been there, I mean, they had some – I think they had a couple offensive lines that were all right when he first got there, but well, it's been five years of this. Like, just do it already. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Like, they did the, the roulette Russ Cook thing. Why can't they give uh, Seattle fans this? 
I don't know. Like just just pour into it. The, they don't really have cap space, so that's the reason why. It, or draft picks because they traded them for uh, Jamal Adams. So right, it's not going to get better. But yeah. you still you're still the Seahawks. So I mean, they're a shoe in for ten wins every year. So their fans are going to be excited no matter what. Uh, Sixteen Tennessee Titans. Big goal is figuring out if they can keep the offense working without Arthur Smith. Uh, you know, obviously. Tannehill needs a guy who's going to play to his strengths, and that's a lot of play action. Uh, any reason they couldn't do that? I mean, are, how, how how doubtful are you about this Titans team? Uh, like getting better? Yeah. Oh, I don't see that happening because they don't really have cap space, and they're losing a couple key starters like Corey Davis, I think was key for that offense down the stretch. So... And then Arthur Smith's gone, so who knows? Like, I, they're probably going to keep the same scheme, but I think play calling, like instinct, matters, and maybe the next guy doesn't have it. I don't even know who their new offense coordinator is. But yeah, I think that we've seen the best of this iteration of the Titans. Yeah, yeah. I I would agree with that. And Derrick Henry, I mean, at some point, unless he's Adrian Peterson, which is I guess is possible, but at some point you expect this to all come crashing down, right? Yeah, I, I mean, just based on the history of what we know about running backs and how many miles he has on his body, like at some point, this is not going to be like a viable option for the Titans. But, you know, maybe that's not this year and they can keep that going. It, it just kind of right. feels like this this current makeup of the Titans has, has a somewhat fragile future, especially with the amount of money that they've given to uh, Henry. Right. Uh, Todd Downing is the new offensive coordinator for the Titans. He was the tight ends coach, but got promoted. Hey, worked out uh, time. Yeah. 15 Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, still good. That's that's a, enough to build around. Need to draft a cornerback is what you guys said. Offseason priority. They'll probably pick another quarterback because, uh, I don't know, that's what they do. Uh, back a quarterback and a and a H back. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the point I made in the post is that I, I don't think uh, the receivers that was like the big concern last year. But if Aaron Rodgers is playing like this and Matt Lafleur is calling plays like he did last year, I, I don't right. think it matters as much. Right. Uh, Fourteen Jacksonville Jaguars. I heard that they have a good pick coming. <laughs> Uh, some people think don't think Trevor Lawrence is the top quarterback, so maybe they should take Zach Wilson. I yeah. uh, I would love that just for the Twitter reactions, honestly. That would be amazing. For nothing else, but for the tweets. But yeah, I mean, Jacksonville fans should be feeling good. Uh, you're about to have the most talented quarterback prospect in franchise history come through town. You got a boatload of cast space. You got an extra first round pick. I mean, right? What's not to be happy about if you're a Jacks fan? Um, yeah. Exciting time. Down in Jacksonville. Uh, New York Jets, sort of a similar situation. I mean, obviously. It's just not, not quite the, as exciting. Right. <laughs> uh, not the clear-cut uh, quarterback of the future, but in a good position to pick somebody they like, have a new coach, have some money to spend. Uh, Charles, I, I, you're obviously close to this situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm the – if I, I think the Jets have a chance to get – like the Texans, I'm not like Texans, like the Jaguars. I uh, got my AFC South teams confused. I, I, I feel like the Texans is, an, is a, a <laughs> possibility too. Yeah, that's the complete opposite. Uh, but, you know, the the Jets, like they have a chance to get a lot better this offseason. You're talking about second overall pick. You got the first round pick from the Jamal Adams trade. 
Uh, you have, you know, almost as much cap space as the Jaguars do. Like in a in a in a uh, division where, you know, it's looking like Tua might not be that guy. You, you might get some regression from the Dolphins' defense. Uh, the Patriots, I mean, who knows what that team could look like depending on how they decide to attack this offseason. Like, you have a window now to go be competitive, competitive in your division. And with um, with the, uh, the expanded uh, playoffs now that we have uh, the seven-game system, like, why not? Like, why not be, you know, that seven seed that kind of gets in there if you have a, a rookie quarterback, you know? Uh, it, like if I'm if I'm the Jets, I'm going all in on offense with all the picks and resources that I have, and I'm taking a quarterback at two. And I just don't see a reason why the Jets can't be players in their division if they just go ahead and, and use these assets in uh, a fruitful manner, which I know has you know long evaded the Jets, you know, being smart with their assets. But maybe <laughs> maybe this is a new era of Jets football and. Uh, Joe Douglas is not poisoned by the air that's floating around a foreign park that makes you make that decision. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, f- I feel like Jets fans have been through this a lot, but, you know, you you could be in a spot where you have, like, Justin Fields starting for an offense that features Denzel Milton, Fakai Beckton, Will Fuller, and, you know, maybe a couple offensive lineup grades. That just, it, it's, it seems like this could be a moment where they, you know, kind of get back towards being a relevant NFL team. And I think their personnel that they happen to have, if they can add a few free agents, like you said, they have the cap space to do it, like really meshes well with the the Shanahan type of offense. Like Makai Becton in that offense is going to be like a highlight machine and in a way that offensive linemen typically aren't. Like he's going to be getting out on the move, out on the perimeter, blocking like DBs. It's going to be hilarious to watch. If they can get like a center, like Lindsley, who's a free agent, and they can add – not a gadget player, but a guy that can line up in the slot and win. I know they have Jameson Crowder, but a more explosive type guy like a, a Curtis Samuel, for instance. Right. I think mm-hmm. that offense could go from the worst offense like maybe we've ever seen to really good. Or not really good, but good. Yeah. Right. Good enough. Uh, 12 Arizona Cardinals. Talked about them a little bit already uh, with the Watt signing. Uh, overhauling the cornerback group is what you have here, but but you also say that really this comes down to what steps uh, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury take in their development. Yeah, I mean, can you name a, a Cardinals cornerback right now? Mm, no, I, I don't know if I can either because Peterson got cut. Uh, Byron Murphy. Oh yeah, Byron Murphy's still there, but a- outside of him, like they don't really have anyone and. I guess they've already addressed the pass rush, so the secondary's next. But, yeah, it all comes down to Cliff and Kyler. Uh, 11, Dallas Cowboys. Big uh, <laughs> big offseason priority is the same one it has been in the last couple of years. Resigned Dak Prescott. Uh, didn't do it the last couple of years. I don't know. It's just, who knows what they're going to do this time around. But uh, this is a team with Dak that should have a pretty clear path in the East, right? I mean, NFC East. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, if he's that's why they're as high as they are, I think, because <laughs> NFC East stinks. And right. the defense got better in the second half last year, and you bring back Dak and that and those weapons, like I feel like they should be favorites to win it again or win it this year. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ten Buffalo Bills. 
Uh, find a couple more young pieces for the defense as your off offseason priority. Uh, defense played much better the second half of the season, I feel like. Kind of got together, but it does probably need more talent. Uh, yeah, especially in the, on the defensive line. I think they need some edge rushers. But, I mean, the offense is still going to be good. They kept Dable, so. And Josh Allen. And Josh Allen. He's just, he's just getting better and better, Stephen. Just, just really, just really improving. Uh, for 6,000 yards. That's how it works. Uh, the Niners are at number nine. Uh, we've been talking about this for months upon months. They need to upgrade from Jimmy G. Uh, no new news there. Eight. Do we uh, think it happens, though? Do we think I, it happens? I mean... The Rams did it, you know. Like, it's, at least there's one team that that knew they had to move. They had to move on from from a guy that they had given a lot of money to. The Eagles had the falling out with Wentz, so I don't know. Yeah, it, that's really what this ranking is based on. That's why they're in the top ten. But if they're running it back with Jimmy G, I'd, you could drop them ten spots. Wow, because I mean, what's why are you excited about a team that? I mean, I know they had injuries last year, but that defense is going to regress anyway, right. and right. they're going to lose some guys this year. And so it really comes down to the quarterback. If they get a good quarterback, then, I mean, Kyle Shanahan with a good quarterback, anything's possible. Uh, eight Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, you guys want Justin Herbert to have an offensive line. That's the same thing we said about uh, Joe Burrow. But, uh, you know, he obviously showed flashes of, of having a much higher ceiling even than Burrow. Uh, but needs to be protected. And with Brandon Staley coming in, we're sort of thinking the defense will be will take steps forward. Uh, so they have, uh, what, 10 draft picks, 30 million in cap space. Uh, I mean, would you guys spend, would you throw most of that money at the offensive line to protect Herbert? Yeah, sort of the I mean, you got, you got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and we right. already saw that he could do damage with them, even without anybody blocking for him. Like, imagine what he could do with just like some legit blocking. And I'm not even saying that you have to go out and break the bank and go get Trent Williams and Joe Thune. I'm just saying like someone that's just more competent than what you had before. I don't think you need to go go insane, but maybe you, uh, maybe you, you can sign a couple guys like just meet here at the stars and go get Penny Sewell in the draft or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. That seems like a, a pretty reasonable pass for them because, you know, that's not the only need that they have. That's just the most pressing need that they have. But I, uh, I also think that, you know, Justin Herbert's mobility and just like, honestly, just the play style of Keenan Allen and how he's able to get open. Like you don't need often the vibe that are going to give you a million days to throw just something better than you had last year. Right. Also, Justin Herbert being like huge helps because he can actually see downfield in a tight pocket. So, yeah, I don't think the offensive line needs to get that much better. It just needs to get to a situation where Justin Herbert doesn't have one of the worst protection units in the league. Like he was actually his offensive line was worse than Joe Burrow's. Wow. Uh, number seven, the New England Patriots, because. Uh, we would never doubt Bill Belichick for long here at the counter. Uh, he has a ton of cap space, but uh, also really needs to totally remake the offense in a lot of ways. Uh, do you think it's possible? I mean, do you think he'll figure out a way to do this? I mean, they have uh, like basically all the cap space you can want in this kind of season where other teams don't have money to spend and are going to be shedding 
talented veterans. Like we've right. already seen Kyle Van Noy. He could be added back to the defense and that will help a lot. Right. So, so I like, I don't think the Patriots are going to be down for long. I think they'll be back, especially if they can, even if they like bring back Cam Newton and give him a weapon or two, I think him a second year in this system. And if you watch that interview with him and uh, Ocho Cinco and Braden Marshall, like he was really stressing how much, how much he uh, fell behind when he got COVID and how he just had such a hard time catching up to everyone and learning the offense. I think a, a real off season in that offense could really improve the, improve where this team was a year ago and they only they can only go up from where they were yeah i mean they have basically just quit on the entire passing game by the end of the season so anything to avoid that situation they're probably back in the playoffs uh number six the kansas city chiefs they got patrick mahomes right i mean that's that's why they're as high as they are on the force (laughs) (laughs) they have no cap space but they have patrick mahomes yeah uh, so they'll be looking for some discount pass rushers. That's our offseason priority for them. Five, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I've obviously traded for Carson Wentz and uh, you know, are hoping that he can rejuvenate or, or at least stay at the, the level that he was, not last season, but the year before, and that that will be good enough. Um, you guys are saying that the offseason priority is to find a replacement for Anthony Costanzo at left tackle. Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, Chris Ballard always seems to have this team poised to to do things in the offseason. Is there anything else that you're looking at here? Uh, I'd say adding another receiver. T.Y. Hilton is a free agent, and he was kind of washed last year. I mean, I don't know if the Colts are going to be better, but I think – that there's going to be some excitement around this team if they do add, if they make like a move like they did last year with DeForest Buckner, I think that will be enough to get people excited about the Colts. Cause I think people are, are ready to, are willing to think that Carson Wentz is going to be able to turn it around in Indianapolis, at least those fans. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. any, anytime a reclamation project is traded for, people are just going to hope. <laughs> Whatever evidence may exist, and with that coward coward defense, they could just plug anyone in. For <laughs> uh, uh, the Cleveland Browns, um, sign an edge rusher to pair with Miles Garrett was your offseason priority. Who would you pick? Yeah, so as far as edge rushers go uh, with the Browns, I think they might be better served just you know taking a guy in the draft this year because they they're going to have uh, some guys that they need to extend over the next couple of years. Like they already got Miles Garrett. Uh, under contract, but you know, it, yeah, with Baker Mayfield getting them to a, a playoff game and winning a playoff game, that just kind of <laughs> sets up a stone that they're going to give him that extension. So right. uh, instead of you know shelling out cash for Yannick Ngakwe or Matt Judon or or Shaq Barrett, uh, because like I feasibly like they could figure that out because they have like twenty million cap space. Like they could you know make like a backloaded deal that doesn't give a guy a whole lot of like a heavy cap hit this year. Uh, they could do that, but you know, with the upcoming extensions, maybe they just want to take like uh, Greg Rousseau or Aziz Alunjari or someone else in the draft that's been touted as kind of like a late first round talent because uh, you know it might, it might just fit their organizational timeline a little bit better. Yeah, I would I would say if you're gonna sign a, a free agent pass rusher, like get one from like the tier two or tier three market, kind of like what the Bucks did with Shaq Barrett, and that worked out. I don't think you they have to overpay for sacks necessarily. All right, number three, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, this is so clear what needs to happen here, and it's your, it's the priority that you guys came up with. Do whatever it takes to trade for Deshaun Watson. This is such a clear fit. Yeah, like it's an obvious thing to say. My question 
would be what how would we view the Dolphins going into next year? What would their ceiling be if they do let's say they land Deshaun Watson and don't have to part ways with uh, any of their bigger names like I guess Avon Howard would be the guy. But I think I'd see them as the who I don't know if I want to say that on there. I'd say AFC East favorites, maybe. I don't know. I, I that's where I was I mean, gonna go. I, I don't think that's a bad opinion. I mean it, it's it. I, I think the the important thing is that it solidifies them as like a legitimate Super Bowl contender if they yeah. can get uh, Deshaun Watson because you know like, he's just he's just a lot better than Tua and that, <laughs> that's like really really all it comes down to and and like you said like if you can get Deshaun without having to trade away Xavier Howard or Byron Jones like the two guys that really kind of made that scheme go last year then. I don't see why they couldn't win the AFC East. Uh, like they were, they were what ten and six last year with Tua completely falling apart down the stretch, and now you could have someone that was arguably the best quarterback in the league last year, depending on how you look at it. So th- this, this is like if they can get Watson, uh, we like we all kind of feel comfortable with Brian Flores, like in his plan and his vision as a Dolphins head coach. I mean, j- just in, in two years, they were able to get that thing turned around from like. Man, this is looking at like a you know a ten or not a ten year, but like a you know three or four year rebuild, and now they're on the cusp of making the playoffs. You can have a chance to get Watson, and you have like the firepower to go do it. I just don't see how you don't just go all in uh, on the trade like that. So hopefully they can get it done because I would love to see him playing there. And I feel like they've already made investments into every other spot of the the roster. Like their receiving core is not that bad. They're, they drafted a, a bunch of linemen last year and signed some. Their defense was was good last year, so it's really just quarterback. They don't, and they have all these assets that they can they can use. Just use them on the quarterback. The funniest thing though would be if they drafted Mac Jones. Oh yeah, having <laughs> I mean, Mac Jones and Tua have a camp battle <clears throat> that nobody. Yeah, so this time Mac Jones starts over. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be amazing. Let's let's go the Deshaun route. I feel like that's fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's, let's let's actually. Yeah, I mean, I w- I would just love to see Flores kind of get his guy at quarterback yeah. because you know it, it's nice being a a defensive guru and and have like a vision on how defense should be played and maybe the modern NFL, but that can only take you so far. Like we've seen teams have their defenses regress, and you know, just like from our own. Uh, you know, messing around with stats, Twitter, that offense is more stable than defense on a year to year basis. So go get that quarterback and then figure the rest out uh, this offseason. But yeah, like getting Watson has to be priority number one for the Dolphins. This is yeah. this is like going like veering off a little bit. But that just makes me think about how the nerds like advocate for only signing uh, offensive minded coaches. But then they also like disregard the scheme that a quarterback plays in when they evaluate quarterbacks. Like if scheme doesn't matter, why do you care if you have an offensive minded head coach? Right. And like we you wrote about it, Steven, you're the one who sort of noticed uh, that it, that it had been mentioned that part of what made Brady so good is that Belichick, who's a defensive mastermind, a defensive coach, like came to him and said, like, OK, this is how you beat this defense you're about to, to play like. Uh, you know, there, there's a yin and a yang to mm-hmm. how football is played. Like, if you have a smart defensive coach, like presumably Flores could do the same thing for Watson, um, and uh, like that partnership, the Belichick Brady partnership worked for two decades. So, 
I'd be I'd I'd be really excited to see this. I I hope it happens. And I want the Dolphins to be good because they have good uniforms. That's true. That's uh, that's all I was thinking about yesterday as I was putting the photos in this photo gallery. Is like which you know like the San Diego Chargers. All of their all of their combinations are so good, and the Dolphins are up there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baltimore Ravens get Lamar some receivers. I want to th- I want to ask you guys. Uh, Jameson Hensley reported that it's. Uh, it's it's not clear where he got this, but it's not expected that the Ravens will go after the top tier receivers. Is that the right uh, method for this uh, building this offense? I think it depends on this notion. And I think it's been floated out there that maybe some of these top receivers wouldn't want to go to Baltimore just because they're so run heavy and how they, mm. how that offense works. And maybe the right. Ravens would have to overpay for one of those guys. If that's the case, then I think it makes sense that they wouldn't want to go after them. But if they're paying market value, like get Lamar a receiver already, not Hollywood Brown, <laughs> who weighs 150 pounds. Right. I, Hollywood Brown cannot be your number one guy. Like he's a, yeah. he's a great piece. Like I, you mentioned earlier, like he's like a Curtis Samuel type piece. If you have that in addition to other play, uh, other players who win elsewhere on the field, like that can work. But uh, yeah, they yeah like I, I think a, a spot where Hollywood is your number two is a pretty good spot mm-hmm. to be in. But right. when he's your number one and like also your next like two or three best guys that are like all sub 190 pounds, it's just uh, it's a difficult situation to work through. So I, I, I just selfishly would love for them to just get someone actually kind of that can like handle the workload from number one receiver for a little more. Their receiving core is like Hollywood Brown and then like. 10 variations of Kenny Stills. <laughs> like, okay, deep threats. Like, one one player I would advocate for them going after, if they're not going to go after that top tier of receiver, would be Will Fuller. Because I do think he's an elite deep threat kind of guy. Like, he can track the ball in ways that I don't think anyone on that team really can right now. Like, Hollywood Brown, I don't think he's a guy that you could just throw it up deep and he's going to find the ball in the air and make a contested catch if he has. So I think Will Fuller at least gives you that. Uh, anything else the Ravens need to do? I mean, this is a team that we were high on all all year and and felt like they were on the cusp of of breaking out. But it, it was clear that it's, I feel like the offensive woes sort of uh, became such a big story that um, we didn't really think about the team <laughs> uh, around them, uh, around that. Uh, anything else they need to do? What's going to happen with Orlando Brown? Are they going to – will they eventually trade him or – uh, I, I do think they need to fix the interior offense line. That's been an issue going back to the Tennessee playoff loss. Right. Two years ago. And then they lost Marshall Yonda. <laughs> right. So it got even worse. So I like that's that's where they need the most help, in my opinion. I think the defense is going to be fine because they're so talented and they have a good defensive coordinator. Right. And then you have Lamar, who's going to just fix so many problems. Like their offense is always going to be decent. Yeah. All right. Number one, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, uh, Stevens is all you. Oh God! Uh, yeah, they they were probably the best team in football over the last month and a half. Like you have to say that after they yeah. beat up on the Chiefs and they didn't lose a game over the last few months. Uh, they didn't have an off season last year, and they like totally re- they didn't totally remake the offense. But when Tom Brady comes in, things change. So now they'll have an off season. They have a lot of free agents: Chris Godwin, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Sue Gronk. But they have enough cap space to keep all those guys if they so choose. 
and they've been really good at the draft in, in recent years. And maybe that luck continues and they add a couple of pieces. Like I, I'm expecting this team to be better than it was like overall last year. That doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they're going to be a better team unless Tom Brady's the arm falls off. But man, that's, that's sort of depressing. Yeah. It is. <clears throat> God, we're like we're like all like broken right now. Like, Shook I, after that. <laughs> I am. I'm just. Can we move on from the Tom Brady wins everything narrative? Can we just retire? A different. Just retire. Yeah. I don't I know. Mean, yeah. That. His wife wants him to listen to your wife. Yeah, Trevor Sikkim of the Draft Network made a good point. He also covers the Bucks. And he was like, you know, this Bucks team is kind of a year ahead of schedule. Like this, like this 2021 team was a team that was supposed to be the super team to get them over the hump, and they already won the championship. So, whatever. Life is meaningless. Eat at Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> we should frame uh, Tom Brady for something. I'm down for that. All right, cool. We're, we'll discuss that off air. I, I Just know if any Tom Brady scandal happens from now until the rest of his life, it was us. <laughs> we were behind it. I, uh, yeah, something tells me we're not the only ones who want uh, that to happen to Tom Brady. So I'm sure we could get Belichick involved. <laughs> <laughs> now that's now we're talking, man. He 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 would come up with a scheme. He would he would know what to do. <laughs> uh, all right, that's all we got for this show. Uh, where are we turning next? What are we What are we looking at? We got some free agency. Uh, you know, next week we'll have some free agency coverage. Look at. Uh, you know, the best players available, best fits, that sort of thing. But then really it's the draft. Uh, it's yes. an interesting year to talk about the draft because of COVID. Uh, some college teams didn't play. Some played fewer games. There was no combine. Uh, there are workouts happening here and there. Uh, but it's going to be harder than it has been to try to corral the information on the players and figure out this draft class. And I have a feeling it's going to be a a more interesting draft. So uh, what are you guys planning as you begin to think about draft coverage? Uh, I mean, I guess we're both going to look at the quarterbacks. I think both of us have watched the ones that matter so far. And uh, I don't know. I I have yet to dive in. I'm officially diving in after we, we stopped the recording of this podcast. Like it. Like, yep. Quarterbacks. Uh, I like, you know, watching the fat guys too and linebackers. So, so Mac Jones. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't feel wow. comfortable at Mac Jones' linebacker that you know compared to like Justin Herbert or Josh Allen, but maybe he can make it work. Uh, so yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll dive into the front seven guys, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and then, you know we'll we'll find the interesting stuff to do. Uh, next yeah. week we're going to have our pal uh, Bruce Rossler. On. <laughs> I'm kidding. Bryce Rossler on to. Uh, Talk about you know some of the data they have on the rookies this year in uh, Sports Info Solutions of Ricky Handbook. So that should be fun. He's a uh, he's quite the character. And their handbook is like low key really good. It's it's amazing. I've gotten it like the past two years now, and it's you know not like not even on some you know ad crap. Like it's actually just a tremendous resource. Right. So hopefully you yeah. guys check that out too. Yeah, we do not have sponsors here at the counter. If if somebody yeah. wants to sponsor us, that'd be great. But uh, look how good we are at ad reading. Charles just did one out of nowhere, and it was it was pretty powerful. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna order that product. He so. put it on tape. He put it on yeah. tape for just in time for draft season. So advertisers doing uh, podcast grinding. 
<laughs> watch the all 22 of this episode <laughs> call us uh, all right thanks for listening we will talk to you next time take care the counter an nfl podcast from usa today sports Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.